Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ready! <coughs> Buffalo Bills game day on the Buffalo Bills radio network. All right, here we go. Here we go. We got to have a drive. 23 left. 23 left. Will. It's time for the Overtime Show with Nate Geary. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Overtime Show here on WGR. Nate Geary with you. We've got TJ Luckman. We've got a very little interesting situation we'll be uh, doing here over the next couple of, I don't know, hour, hour and a half. Uh, The game went really late, which makes our jobs here at the station uh, significantly harder. I was going to say more fun. Yeah, fun. Yeah, fun's a good word. Fun. Um, Yes, fun. And... um, yeah, we're just just so you know, we're going to try to take as many phone calls as we can. We have a hard out at 8 o'clock. We've got Westwood One presents Cincinnati and the Ravens starting at 8 p.m. So we've got a hard out. we got to be out by then, and the game didn't end until like 5.15, um, which threw off all of our shows, and then you add in the you know coaches and the players and everything else, and we have uh, what doctors call uh, a cluster F. Uh, is which is, I'm pretty sure that's what they call it. So uh, so bear with us as we try to take some phone calls. Um, I, I also want to um, you know speak to and, and talk about as much as I can in this game a little bit of like what happened today, right? And and I think there's some some good things to take from this game, and then there's a whole bunch of bad. And I, I think there's an understanding that this is a really good football team, especially offensively capable of really very remarkable things as an offense. And then they also just become so chaotic and so. Um, you know, beat themselves that it it could become incredibly frustrating. It could become maddening at times. And I think you saw like a little bit of what makes this team such a difficult evaluation from a player personnel, from a scheme perspective. It's so hard. Like as someone that feels like I, I have a pretty good grasp on watching the game and trying to figure out what a team does and scheme and what, you know, what route combinations are called and what they look like and why you want to run them against certain coverages and why you don't want to run them against other ones. And and what makes this team so frustrating is, you know, you want to blame the offensive coordinator. I know I do. I want to blame the offensive coordinator for a bunch of things in this game in particular. But Josh Allen played like the Josh Allen that we saw against the Houston Texans in 2019. Um, he looked a lot like the sugar high Josh that has just – no level of control, self-control. He's got to stretch the ball down the field. He's got to score points every time he has the ball in his hands. And in a game where you're up 17 nothing, listen, before we even go to that, this team, part of why and what beats them, why they beat themselves, 
is their pass catchers continually drop balls that are incredibly important. Now, you know, Khalil Shakir bails himself out later in the game uh, and makes that unbelievable catch on third and one. And can we talk about that third and one? It's third and one, and we're making a vertical throw down the field, a very low percentage throw by all accounts. That's the problem for me is how low percentage the throws, the route combinations are in a game where you just need one yard. Get one yard. Why do you need to go for 30? Why do you need to go every? It's just there's sometimes too much chaos and too much recklessness and not enough calculated, you know, risks and an understanding that you can you can exist in the short area parts of the field. When they started using Cole Beasley in this game, they found some sustained success. Then they go out and drive after losing their 10-point lead and it goes down to seven and they go three and out by going vertical, vertical, sack. And that is as frustrating as it can possibly be. And at the end of the game, they're able to run the clock out, which I think sort of, you know, dissolves some of my anger from this game. But there's just so much to unpack about this team offensively because of the potential. They are they have the potential at any point to score on every single drive. They've literally done that. They have gone games. They've gone multiple games without punting. It bled into this year. So when you see stuff like you see today where they can't get out of their own way sometimes, it starts with the quarterback. But he's being, I said this, to, I texted my buddy Aaron Quinn after the, after the game. And for me, right, like I talk about answers. Your offensive coordinator needs to give the quarterback answers. And when your quarterback's pressing and he feels like he's got to try to put the team on his back and play hero ball and be arrogant, like arm arrogance, right? Remember when everyone got mad when Ben Solak talked about that as, as something that, that Josh Allen has and everybody took offense to it? Well, like today's a really good example of arm arrogance, right? Just throwing the football down the field. I cannot wait to see the next-gen stats chart of this game. His dot was 15 yards, his average depth of target was 15 yards. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, I know that they're, this is a, a unique defense. No one runs defenses like what we see. Josh Boyer, by the way, he'll be out of the league. He's not going to be a defensive coordinator next year. FYI. So this is not a defense that you probably will see a lot more of, especially in the division with Miami. It, it, like, running zero blitz on third and 15, like, holy cow, dude, what are you doing? But... What it does is it just entices Josh Allen that he hits that play to Stephon Diggs 52 yards down the field. Now he's got to do it all the time and all the time. And sometimes you just got to take the short stuff. Sometimes you got to scheme in the short stuff. And sometimes you have to save your crazy, you know, little brother from your parents say no candy tonight. And then they dump the bag of candy on the table in front of you. And what are you supposed to do as a kid? You know, when your offensive coordinator says, we got to start taking the, the, the short stuff, but here's this enticing backside, you know, nine route down the sidelines, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to take the nine route. So there, there's just some stuff in this game that are both fall both on the offensive coordinator and both on the quarterback. That marriage needs to be more in sync. They have to be more on the same page. It's hard to blame the play calls when you don't know what the, you know, what the whole point of the play call is, Right. Um, but I digress. All right, I got to take a timeout. I told you we got a bunch of breaks to get to here. We got a, a Derek Kramer update coming up here, I'm sure. So we got a bunch to get to. I'll keep yelling and losing, you know, blood in my face, and we'll we'll go from here. You're listening to the Overtime Show here on WGR. All right, welcome back to the Overtime Show here on WGR. Um, yes, not 
super great, entertaining radio when I have to take another break here, which I got to do. Um, let me just set up what we're going to talk about coming back. I'm going to take some phone calls as well. Once we kind of get caught up here, um, I can start taking phone calls. I have open phone lines. I just don't want you guys to sit on hold for the next 15 minutes while we go through break. So if you want to give us a shout, please feel free as we go through this next break. It's 803-0550-1888-552-550. Um, those are the numbers if you want to get your thoughts in from this game. I'm sure a lot of people have thoughts. I know I have thoughts. Uh, again, a frustrating yet semi-rewarding game for the Bills, figuring out how to pull out a win. Listen, I, I think if, if everything in the NFL, if there's a lesson to be had, it's don't take your opponent lightly. And I'm not, I'm, I'm almost certain the Bills didn't. I know I did. Um, I just did not think that this Dolphins team was capable of putting up 31 points. And frankly, the Bills defense, I thought, played a very, very good game. They gave up less than 300 yards and 31 points feels a little skewed. They gave up 24 points defensively because there was a defensive touchdown by the Dolphins defense. The Bills... Can, uh, Bills offense consistently put their defense in terrible situations, put them in short yardage situations, gave the Dolphins offense light life. They were able to kick field goals and they kept turning the football over. So yeah, I, I think all in all, a good game from the defense, a great game from rookie Kyer Elam. He should not have been on the bench for as long as he have. He certainly should not be on the bench moving forward. That should be your CB two. Big day from Trey White as well. I thought he had a really nice bounce back game after a couple of not-so-Trey-White-like games. Uh, Boogie Basham, holy hell, how wasn't he the player of the game? I know Matt Milano had a great game today, two sacks, a couple of TFLs, a bunch of tackles, but Boogie Basham answered the call. I had been sort of harping on the fact that Boogie needed to start taking a backseat to A.J. Epinesa. Screw what I got to say, Boogie. Good for you. Great game. Best game in a Bills uniform, and it's not close. Great game by Boogie Basham. Timeout. Other side. We'll, can, we'll get to some phone calls. I'll really dig into the nitty-gritty of this game. we got a lot to get to here. On the, uh, uh, before we do that, tonight, 8 p.m. on WGR, Westwood One presents the AFC wildcard game between the Ravens and Bengals. Sunday night playoff football on WGR is brought to you by Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case and buy Armor Heat. Do it right the first time. Game day on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. All right, here we go, here we go. We gotta have a drive. 23 left, 23 left. Will, It's time for the Overtime Show with Nate Geary. Hi, everyone. We've caught up. We've officially caught up. I can do the thing. I can talk the ball. I can talk about our call. sweet, chaotic golden retriever quarterback who just lives in absolute chaos just lives in a in a bubble of miss pac-man where it's like or maybe better yet more like you know like mario kart where there's just banana peels all over the place and at any point you could spin out or you can you know i don't know it just is what a chaotic performance in the Bills' 34-31 to win over the Miami Dolphins. Let's run through some statistics if we can. Josh Allen finishes the game 23-39, of 39, or I'm sorry, 352 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He was sacked seven times today, a season high seven times. He had a 93.1 quarterback rating. James Cook led the way on the ground, 11 carries for 40 yards and a first-half score. Stephon Diggs finished the day 7 for 114. He had six in the first half, only one catch in the second half. Gabriel Davis, he finishes 6 for 113. And as Jeremy and I uh, talked about in pregame, playoff game, big back, big back playoff game. Uh, Cole Beasley gets his first career 
playoff touchdown somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. Two catches for 35 yards and a score. Dawson Knox finishes for three for 20 and a score as well. He should have had two, but a big drop that uh, kind of was the catalyst for the comeback. They settled for a field goal, went up 17 nothing. They end up found, finding themselves tied at 17. They then kicked the field goal before the end of the half to push it to a 20 to 17 lead. Then they found themselves down one more time, down 24 to not, or 24 to 20. Um, so just a lot of ups and downs from this game. But I, I just shared on on Twitter a screenshot of his next gen stats passing chart, which I mentioned that I would do. Um, just an absurdly chaotic game plan. Um, I, I, it's it's so hard to again judge whose fault. In you know, I'm sure that not every single play, as much as maybe I want to dra- dramatize and in, in you know hypothesized during a game I have not watched the all 22 yet I have not watched any of the game back and I watched it live from the stadium it's going to be a a couple of days before I fully digest and figure out what exactly went wrong and why there were so many lulls in this game and why it took so damn long I mean the game went to 515 the game lasted four and a half hours for god's sakes Um, a lot of it because stoppages and neither team run the ball particularly well a lot of incompletions especially on the dolphin side I mean for god's sakes uh, you know, Skylar Thompson goes 16 for 39, less than 50% completion percentage in this game. Um, so yeah, just a lot to unpack from this game. A lot of good. Again, there was a lot of good from a team that scored 31, 34 points and won the football game. Um, but at the same time, a lot to be concerned with. And by the way, I'm sorry, that's not how the game ended for Skylar Thompson. I did not refresh. Skylar Thompson went 18 of 45 with a 22.5 QBR which is only a little bit better when you consider Josh Allen's was only 26. So not a good game for Josh Allen. And again, it's it's hard for me to put it all on Josh because I sort of need the, the I need the OC to look at Josh in a game situation and realize, okay, I got to be the adult in the room. I got to come in here. I've got to give him some, I got to give him some one read plays. I got to not let him take the deep stuff when the deep stuff's available. Also, can I just point out that Jalen Waddle, that catch on the sidelines where he gets two feet in the ground, falls to the ground, and the ball comes out? Isn't that exactly what happened to Jordan Poyer? And that was called an incomplete pass? I just, like, what is a catch? I don't know. I have no idea what a catch is. Uh, I have no idea what possession and forward progress. I, I have no idea what any of these rules are. The NFL just makes it up as they go along. So, yeah, I, that one pissed me off today. There's no doubt about that. Let's go to the phones and finally take a phone call. Thank you for your patience as we work through all of this. I know it wasn't an ideal situation. I'm not going to get a full two hours. I'd love to have nothing more than have two hours on the show to uh, to chat about this game because it was chaos. But we'll uh, start the show by going to Carter who's been waiting patiently. Carter, you're on the Overtime Show. Thanks for hanging out, Carter. What do you got? No problem. How you doing, Nate? I'm, uh, I'm dandy. It, uh, like you said, it was chaotic, you know. Um, it, it, it's tough. That first pick that Josh threw, it, I, I'd have to rewatch it, but, you know, it looked like Smoke kind of stopped his route, whatever, you know. The second pick bounced off Beasley's chest, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the defense, I, I, I'd say they held up for putting their back against the wall, like, you know, with the turnovers and the punt return and interception return and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm just happy to walk away with a win there. And um, yeah, I, I think we need to maybe – we it, Dorsey's – his play calls got bland as the game went on. You know, obviously Steph had the huge first half and they, they kind of shut him down the second half. But what happened to – you know, the designed runs for Josh, you know, pulling the center and the guard, mm. getting around the edge, you know, letting him do his thing. Um, I, I want to touch Kyrie Elam played great. Yes, I he did. He played great. 
Um, uh, you know, Tredavious, he got burned a little bit, but, you know, it, it, I guess you'll have that. But um, I, I just kind of want you to touch on what I said. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the call, Carter. Yeah, I'm – um. Again, I think chaos is the right word for this game. Um, and, and you're right. I, I, I'm going to blame Josh Allen on that interception. Sometimes throwing – just because you have an arm that you can throw 65, 70 yards down the field as a throwaway doesn't always mean it's a good throwaway, right? Not all throwaways are created equal. Throw the ball out of bounds. Live to see another day. The sack fumble in the second half. Go down or throw it at someone's feet. Take a penalty. Take a grounding. Do not try to do too. He just, again, for all the reasons you love the guy, sometimes it's what makes him so frustrating at times because you know the capabilities that are inside of him. You know he can hurdle over a man, but that doesn't always mean he has to do it. He doesn't always have to play uh, the hero ball that at times today he played. Um, that deep, that the interception to Xavier Howard, that's just an unacceptable play. You can't make that throw in the situation. Their patience has grown much like mine, watching them at times. They're sort of devoid of patience. And what they're going to go up against next week in the Cincinnati Bengals, because the Bengals will win tonight, is an offense who is as patient as any offense in football. And Isaiah Hodgins making absolutely unbelievable play after play. And it's so frustrating. Are you kidding me with this catch? Oh, put me six feet under. For God's sakes. Kumaro! We kept Kumaro so we could play special teams. And now we got the ghost of Jake Kumaro on the IR as this guy's balling out making plays. Anyways. Let's go to Shane. Oh, Shane, let me guess. You got a Hodges point, too? (laughs) What do you got for me, Shane? You're on the overtime show. How do you let that guy walk through the door? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. For Beasley, I mean, you know, I disagree with your point on the John Brown play. You know, Romo was gushing over Allen in the first half, calling him an alien constantly. I mean, he was dropping dime after dime. Brown ran, uh, uh, Smoke ran the wrong route. Beasley, I mean, catch the ball, hit you right in the chest. So I would take both of those picks off the board if it's me. I mean, some of those throws he was making. Romo said, I mean, and I love Romo. I think he's one of the best TV announcers there is, if not the best. He said that there's only three guys in the league that can make that throw. And and now we're watching Hodgins tear it up. We we let Hodgins walk for what, Beasley? Who I mean, really? Or John Brown? No. You, You don't do that. I mean, you want to talk about mistakes? You blame that on Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. You don't blame it on Allen. I mean that. I mean two. I mean we're gonna hear about this all week on you know from all the talking heads. Josh Allen's got to cut down on the turnovers. Josh Allen's got to cut. I mean those were good plays. Was, I disagree on the first one. I'm watching it right now. It was a terrible play. So Romo was wrong. Yeah, I, and listen, it's live. You know, it's hard to react live in real time. But he's not open. Um, and he no, he said he said Romo. Romo said that he ran the wrong route, that he was supposed to go to the pylon, and he cut back in. And then when the guy picks it off, John Brown, it's hey, a, can you at least try and knock the ball out of the guy's hand? It's I mean, a, yeah, you- I just like I, if you if you go on your, if you go on Twitter and, and type in Allen INT and you rewatch that play, it's a bad throw, it's a bad decision, regardless of what John Brown. He's not open, um, and if he even it, even if he's throwing it to the pylon, it's I, I, I have I don't know what the um, 
what the objective of this play is, but it's a it what it looks like a little bit is almost like just a Hail Mary throwaway a little bit, and he does that from time to time. Like Josh Allen, sometimes instead of throwing the ball in the dirt or throwing the ball out of bounds, Josh Allen has the sort of freak alien nature to say, like, I'm going to throw the ball 70 yards in the air because no one else can, and if my guy can't catch it, no one will. But the problem was is Xavier Howard was in a great position. He was over the top, regardless of if John Brown's going to the pylon or if he's going to the goalposts. Xavier Howard's in position to make the play, and John Brown's got no chance at the football whatsoever. So I don't. Well, I, well, go ahead. Well, even if I give even if I give you that one, uh, let me take you back to the Jets game. I, you know, I know that's going back. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the last play of the game. You know, we yeah. needed a a fantastic play. He drops another time. Yeah. Oh, listen, Dave Davis drops it. These receivers have let him down all year, and you let. This guy walk out the door who's killing it for the Giants right now. How do you do that? That's on McDermott. That's on uh, Brandon Bean, 100%. I mean, uh, this guy's probably going to get a huge contract with the Giants now. I mean, and I know, you know, because he's only played a few games, it's not going to, like, when you check the stats, it's not going to be, like, overwhelming. But, I mean, this dude looks he's, legit. He's a dog. There's no doubt about it. Thanks for the call, Shane. Listen, uh, he's a dog. There's there's little to no doubt to me Isaiah Hodgins is not just an NFL receiver but a good NFL receiver. It sucks. Um, but, again, this was a room where, listen, you're not going to convince – you don't have to do any convincing on Isaiah Hodgins for me. I said on this show in July at, live at training camp saying, this guy's got to make the team over Jay Kumro. It's got to happen. I don't care. We watched – we watched in preseason them put Isaiah Hodgins on kickoff team, on kickoff coverage, and I said, I literally don't care if he's good or not at kickoff coverage. I don't care. To me, sometimes you got to just say, this guy's really good at the position. He has a lot of potential. That's why you drafted him. And I don't need a ton of special teams players. Sierra Neal, he's here for special teams. You know, Taiwan Jones, here for special teams. Ty- Tyler Medikavich, here for special teams. Tyrell Dotson, here for special teams. You know, how many special teams guys you got to carry if you're, it means you're giving up good players that can help you on offense at a position we've been complaining about since last year. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it, that part is for sure maddening. Um, but I'm not here to tell you that, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is dramatically changing this team. At best, what's Isaiah Hodgins? A fourth receiver here? Probably. Is that better than your fourth receiver right now? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure, right? And is it better than Isaiah McKenzie? Yeah, but, like, he's not – I mean, he plays a little slot, but I don't know. I, it's it, it, To me, it can be a little revisionist. At the time, it was a hard call to make. It was. It can be a little revisionist looking back and saying, look at the player now. He's in a position where he's getting number one snaps. He's the number one X receiver for this Giants team. He is not that here. He was never getting that he's here. He's never going to get that here. So we don't know if this is going to be the same player in a third or fourth role because he's not playing over Gabe Davis as much as the much maligned Gabriel Davis, by the way, who shows up in the playoffs. I mean, he just does. He shows up in the playoffs. But I'm here to tell you, like, Isaiah Hodgins is not getting 90% of the snaps like he is in New York. He's not getting 10 targets a game. And if he's not getting those things, he's not this player. I think the decision on Hodgins was kind of made, not made, but like when he got injured a couple years back when him and Davis Two years were in a row, up, that's right. That was his time to make his move. I, I, I am on, I went on my, my buddy's podcast. They, they played it back for me at the start of this year. I said, I think at the end of the day, when you look down the line three or four years from now, Isaiah Hodgins is going to be a better player than Gabriel Davis. And it hadn't 
haven't been close to being true. Like, I think there's an argument, but I don't think it's a good one. I still right. think Gabriel Davis, at the end of the day, is a better player. He's just struggling with inconsistency issues. Right. It's just that Davis got those opportunities yes. in his rookie year. And, like, it stinks for Hodgins, but him being out that first year probably prevents him from having any sort of role in the future on the, on the current Bills offense. Yeah. it's it's Again, it, to me, it can, it can come off a little revisionist, which, listen, I mean, we all get there from time to time. But it comes off a little revisionist to say, hey, you should have kept him over Jacob Kumro, or you should have kept him over Isaiah McKenzie or whatever. Isaiah McKenzie was the single best offensive player in training camp this year. If you were there at St. John Fisher, like I was, he made plays every single day. He he earned the number three wide receiver position. It did not carry over whatsoever to the regular season. And that's okay. Sometimes people get fooled in training camp. Much like it feels like maybe the Bills got fooled about what Isaiah Hodgins' potential was. It doesn't mean to me now, looking at it, that the Bills made some sort of horrible mistake. Again, he is not getting 10 targets a game. He is not lining up in the numbers across from Stephon Diggs and getting 10-plus targets a game. It's not happening. He's not getting 90% of the snaps here in this team. So with when you add in that context, it's hard to be like, hey, this is all on Brandon Bean. It's all on Sean McDermott. They can't evaluate because they've got a lot of guys they could evaluate. And they've done a great job evaluating a lot of guys. So, again, it's it's this it's a difficult conversation because he's getting a way better opportunity in New York he was ever going to get here. Thanks for the call, Shane. Let's grab one more. Let's go to Nico. Nico, you're on the Overtime Show. Welcome, Nico. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Yeah, so we were at the game. Uh, we just want to talk about how electric the atmosphere was tonight. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll call you back. It was just, uh, you know, it really felt uh, special right between back. everything that was going on with Jamar Hamlin's situation and just, you know, the the week off with the Cincinnati thing and just, you know, last week with the, the Patriots, it almost felt like a dry run for this. It wasn't really... I don't want to call it not a real game, but it it felt like we were almost going through the motions in a lot of ways, and everything worked out in our favor, but everything did not work out in our favor tonight, so it was interesting to see how the team reacted, and uh, I don't know how well I would say we were prepared for the, you know, adversity, but we made it through it, and, uh, it, you know, I'm excited for Cincinnati, expectedly. Yeah, thanks for the call, Nico. I Listen, I agree, it's... I walked into the stadium today. It did not feel like a wild card playoff game. I didn't give that team really a fighting chance. It looked like they had no chance to start this game, right? I mean, 17 nothing. It looks like this game, first of all, it should have been 21 nothing. And if they get to 21 nothing, it felt like that game was far, long over. And they kicked a field goal. And it was. Um, a different story. It just was, it just, it, it turned and it, and it devolved. And um, here we are. But they win. 34 to 31, to your point. Thanks, Nico. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you're on the Overtime Show. Thanks for calling, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm digging the passion. You guys are, uh, you guys are always awesome when they always bring the energy. Um, thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to say um, about Ken Dorsey's uh, relationship with Josh. It seems like uh, when he gets frustrated, uh, things roll downhill. But there's nothing more frustrating than when Bills fans bitch about having Josh Allen. You- thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for that. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a timeout. And on the other side, we'll continue taking phone calls as long as you're not that guy. Thanks, man. You know, family program here. <sighs> Anywho, the Overtime Show continues on next here on WGR. Coming around the left side, outrunning Landon Roberts to the end zone. Now we're cooking.
Cooking with gas. James Cook with a 12-yard touchdown run. Buffalo up 13-0 with 5.07 left in this first quarter. Chris Brown on the call. Get well soon, Murph. We miss you. Nick Erie here on the Overtime Show reminding folks tomorrow on WGR. It's Buffalo Bills Football Monday presented by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at northwest.com. Howard and Jeremy breaking the game, the playoff games down in the morning. Then the Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio at 10. One Bills Live with Chris Brown, Steve Tasker at noon. Chopin Bulldog at 3. They'll have Eric Wood at 4. And then 8 p.m. It's the NFC Wild Card game between the Bucks and Cowboys. Buffalo Bills Football uh, football Monday, all day tomorrow on the home of the Bills, WGR Sports Radio 550. Before we go to the locker room to hear from Bills defensive tackle Ed Oliver, we're going to grab, grab a couple more phone calls. We're going to start with Dan. Dan, you're on the Overtime Show. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Hey, Nate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, giving us a call. Hey, I just wanted to touch on um, another caller had brought up the whole Isaiah Hodgins thing. Mm-hmm. And I think at the very end of his call, you kind of just dismissed it. But I felt like you were making the same point earlier. There's, there's more examples than just Isaiah Hodgins of Sean McDermott's inability to assess talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you had mentioned that Elam should have been playing more. And you look at some of our other more notable rookies. I mean, Khalil Shakir was pressed into more action today. The dude had 10 catches all season. You look at Chris Olave of the Saints. He had almost that. He had nine catches in one game against Carolina this year. You know, James Cook didn't get involved in a meaningful way until week 10. It, it was almost like around the same time that we traded for Naeem Hines, and all of a sudden we start using the running back we had. Like, what, what's going on here? And I feel like you kind of dismissed that too much. And, uh, you know, people are piling on Josh Allen, and, and I'm back and forth over the first interception. Like, it might have been a bad decision. It, Romo brought up the, the wrong route by Brown, but – it almost looks somewhere between the Hail Mary attempt you were talking about and the fact that it sailed on him. But the thing, I just hate hearing people pile on Josh Allen after a loss because it's becoming more and more apparent to me that the finger should be pointed at Sean McDermott. You know, he kind of guided this team and got us to the point where we're at, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But it's looking more and more like his ability to assess talent and his grit, it's just, he doesn't have what it takes to win at the highest level. And I'm becoming more and more I'm like filled with this sense of dread that the organization's not going to realize that until it's too late. No, thanks for the call, Dan. Um, I, I don't want to, I'm not dismissing the Isaiah Hodgins point. I guess what I'm saying is I'm sort of minimizing it because you guys, we got rid of a receiver who was in like playing as a number one receiver in New York. Now I'm going to tell you this. I promise you Isaiah Hodgins will not be the giants. Number one receiver next year. I, I promise you that. Like, at best, he'll be a two or three in the NFL. He is not an NFL number one wide receiver for a Super Bowl team. I mean, he could be for a couple of bad teams. But the Giants run the ball better than just about anybody in football. So, like, I guess I, 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 I'm not dismissing the Isaiah Hodgins thing. I pined to keep him in the preseason over Jay Kumro. So, I don't want to tell you I'm dismissing it at all. But this team, in a Super Bowl window is not going to rely on rookies. It's just not their style. And James Cook is seeing an elevated role. James Cook, this is what I thought was going to happen. It would be the end of the season when he took, so, when he took over. They traded for Naeem Hines, and what they did is minimize the, the, the clutter around James Cook. What they did was take some responsibilities for him, away from him 
so that he could focus on being a running back instead of being a guy that's going to line up at wide receiver and run routes. No, we want you to start to... T- and what has happened? This running game has evolved because they have up front a group of offensive linemen who are best fit to run zone blocking, and they had a running back for the last three years or four years in Devin Singletary who is not a zone runner. All of a sudden, they finally fit scheme with style in the backfield, and you're seeing success. You're seeing the fruits of that because they are now marrying scheme and style within the backfield. You're seeing success in, in, mid, in mid and outside zone plays that this offense has been trying to sprinkle in for years but haven't been able to because that's not Devin Singletary's game. He's more of a pin and pull player, right? So it's just, yeah, I, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the mind that, and Kyrie Elam, listen, Kyrie Elam struggled at time this year. Each and every one of those young cornerback twos, while Tredavious White was out, and then now subsequently when he was in, have all struggled. The cornerback position is one of the hardest play play uh one of the hardest positions to play in the NFL because you lose more times than you win unless you're Sauce Gardner, one of the very best corners in the game. Travis White loses some battles, right? He loses some one-on-ones. So for me, I'm not of the mind to tell you that I think this team can't evaluate talent. I think they can. What I think maybe the problem is, Dan is that they overvalue specialty players. They overvalue keeping someone on special teams who specifically plays that special teams role. But can I say, this is a top five special teams unit in DVOA. It literally won them a game last week. So, although they keep special teams players with specific roles on special teams over guys who might be a better weapon on offense or a better weapon on defense... It works, right? I mean, it does. They're a top five DVOA special teams unit. And it's because they have a lot of guys they can trust and they do a good job on special teams. So I'm not of the mind. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think that this team can't evaluate talent. I, I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. They are a 13-3, and now 14-3 and football team who are coming off of back-to-back-to-back playoff runs one where they got to the division round last year, the AFC Championship the year before, I think there's some unquestionable criticism you could put on Sean McDermott. The timeout today on fourth down was inexcusable. Stop using timeouts like they're nothing in the second half. They matter. Why does any coach use a timeout before two minutes? No idea. In the fourth quarter in the second half. And look what happened. McDaniel did the same thing tonight, and they couldn't call a timeout on that delay of game, and they had to punt the ball away. Or they No, they didn't get it on fourth down. Instead of being at fourth and one, fourth and inches, it became fourth and five and a half, and Kyrie made, made a good play. So, listen, they won the game, right? In perspective, they won the game, but it didn't go the way that any of us wanted to go because of who was playing quarterback and the injuries on the team. Right? I get it. I'm frustrated, too. But to start going and saying, like, they have a talent evaluation problem, I mean, come on, guys. Talent evaluation record, uh, problem? They're 13-3. and three. <laughs> If that's a problem, that's a great problem to have. I would say the Houston Texans have an evaluation problem. I would say that the Miami Dolphins have an evaluation problem. They traded a first-round pick and gave $120 million to Bradley Chubb, and he made his first sack since being traded to the Miami Dolphins today. 
That seems like a far more talent evaluation problem than trading away a wide receiver who is at best going to be your third or fourth wide receiver on this team because you really wanted to keep a special teams player. Do I agree? No. But do I think that Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean can't evaluate talent because of that? Because of a number three receiver? No. Come on. We're better than that. We're better than that. Let's go to Dave. Uh, Dave, you're on the Overtime Show. What you got for me, Dave? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. So I'm going to have to disagree with you on your first comments to open the show. Um, I'm not sure what you were watching, but what I saw was a quarterback who carried the team on his back because he had zero assistance when it comes to the receivers, five drops that would have accumulated to well over or around 100 yards. He had zero pass protection. He had zero help in the running game. And you made the comment, he's a crazy German shepherd or whatever you said, a crazy dog running around. I completely disagree with you. This is a guy, if we didn't have Allen today, we get smoked in that game. When did I ever say, when did I ever say they need to be better than Allen? Of course they would be nowhere without Allen. What are we, of course. But what was your comment earlier? That, he, he's, that he's, a, he's a crazy golden retriever. Yeah, no, he's chaotic. He's, he's, doing that he's chaotic. What are you, did you want to watch that game and say he's not chaotic? I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he's chaotic. He, he's, he's chaotic because he's not getting any help. Catch the ball. Get a running I mean, game in place. You have some he had two receivers go over 100 yards. Yes, that's I. That's because you got. That's because you got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. All right. Well, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Stephon Diggs. Kind of circles are we Stephon going? Stephon Diggs is one of the top three best receivers in football. You act like he's playing with Isaiah Hodgins as his number one receiver. He's not. Like, you know, like I am not saying Josh Allen is bad. He's one of the best two or three quarterbacks in football. But today was chaotic. It was. And you're right. He did have some terrible drops that maybe the 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 the, the you know whatever the the blueprint of this game is different. If Dawson Knox catches that football, it's twenty one nothing. I agree with you. It's probably different. If Khalil Shakir doesn't drop that ball, it's probably different, right? I get that, and I'm not disputing that he did not get enough help. And that he was the reason they won. Of course it was. But he also made some really, I think, bad decisions. And it wasn't just interceptions. It was throws down the sideline after you gave up your 10-point lead. It's a three-point lead now. And you go vertical, vertical sack. The offensive line played fine. He bailed out of some clean pockets today. And that'll happen. It happens to every quarterback. It's not unique to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is, again... Literally one of the best quarterbacks in football. He went on the podium today and talked about how he has to be better. Right? I mean, if he says it, I think it's okay for me to say it. At least I think so. Let's go to Tom. Tom, you're on the Overtime Show. What you got for me, Tom? Hey, Nate. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the two overtime, or I'm sorry, timeout blunders by McDermott. Um, I thought they were both horrendous uh, timeouts. And it seems like, I don't know, he's not trusting what what Frazier is putting out on defense, and he sees something and doesn't like it. But both times, they were really unnecessary timeouts, and it could have cost us, um, you know, if the game went a little bit differently. So I just want to see what you thought about that. Yeah, thanks for the call, Tom. I got to tell you, the second timeout where it's <laughs> it's fourth and one, they get to stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I got I've got really no defense. That's a terrible timeout. But the other one is, you're in the red zone, 
And you feel like it's, I think at that point it was what? Third and goal? And I think what he saw was, is he didn't like the look that he saw on the field. He took a timeout. Was it a waste of timeout? Would you rather just him, you know, go out with the personnel grouping that he thought was a mismatch? I don't know. I don't know what's going through his head. I can tell you that I don't agree with the second one on fourth and one. But I don't know the intricacies of was there the wrong personnel grouping on the field? Did they not get a substitution they wanted to get? There are, I think there are a lot more that goes into that first timeout that I'm not going to know to be able to have a really good thought on it. I do think sometimes they get a little leisure. He's not the only one. The guy on the other sideline also used them like they were, you know, vape pens. <laughs> so thanks for the call, Tom. Let's go to Dave. Dave, you're on the Overtime Show. What you got for me, Dave? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple of comments, and then uh, I'll hang up and uh, listen to your your comments. Sure. Um, Buffalo just seems to not want to go for the throat when they have opportunity. We're up 17 nothing, and you just want to just keep on playing your game. They don't seem to do that. And defensively, we're playing against a third-string quarterback. Why are you not blitzing this guy constantly? We did a lot of delayed blitzes, um, which failed. But when we blitzed them – full throttle, we seem to get to him. I think if uh, we did a lot more blitzing on the defense, I think we'd have been more successful. I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Listen, I think they blitzed a lot today. They have been blitzing more than any time in Leslie Frazier's tenure here in Buffalo. They blitzed a bunch today. They also did some simulated blitzes, right, where it looked like Milano and Edmonds were coming, and then they'd bail out into coverage. And listen, when you you have Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill – it's not as easy to say, well, just bring six and, and play man on the back end. You'll be good to go. Get to the third-string quarterback. Ty- Listen, I'm here to tell you, Skylar Thompson made some throws that Jalen Waddell, if he just makes a catch, we might be talking about a different game. Skylar Thompson did not play particularly well, but he also got almost no help. Tyreek Hill had a drop. You'll talk about drops. I mean, Jalen Waddell had three very bad drops, terrible drops in this game. So Josh Allen wasn't the only one in this game plagued with drops. I promise you. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We'll grab a couple more phone calls on the other side. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you here. Um, Tonight at 8 p.m. on WGR Sports Radio 550, Westwood One presents the AFC wildcard game between the Ravens and the Bengals. Sunday Night Football on WGR is brought to you by New York's Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case and buy Armor Heat. Do it right the first time. Man, they were spying me. They were doubling stuff. I thought their front did a pretty good job, maybe blocking up some of the running lanes. But again, our, our guys found a way, way to win. Our defense stepped up. I'm so proud of our offensive line and our running backs on that last drive. It's it's not easy to run when they know you're running it in those situations. So the promoter to go put his head down, follow the big boys up front, go win a game like that. I don't know if we've done that this year. So that was really really good to see. Yeah, I love that quote from Josh Allen. That final drive obviously seals the deal for the Bills. Great job by Devin Singletary. Ten yards on three carries were the most easily the most important ten yards that uh, that Devin Singletary will have all year. So uh, so good good on Josh for uh, for calling that out. Welcome back to the Overtime Show. Our final segment. We're gonna get to our last two phone calls of the evening. Let's start with Josh. Josh, you're on the Overtime Show. What do you got for me, man? Um, how's it going? Do good. you think the Bills turnovers? are going to affect and play a factor in uh, next week's game? If the Bills turn the football over, they can maybe next week get away with one turnover. If they turn the football over two times next week, they will lose. Yeah. And um, do you think 
this week's turnovers affects their confidence a little in the offense? It's hard to say. I think this team's pretty good at kind of moving forward um, and moving on from a previous drive. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that. Sometimes it feels like it could carry over like in a couple of series, and sometimes they kind of like go on a, um, you know, like a little bit of a lull. But listen, this team's thirteen and three, or they finished the regular season thirteen and three. They're now fourteen and three, um, and they it feels like they've had quote turnover problems really from week one, right? I mean, Josh Allen has those two interceptions against LA. They still win that football game. Now LA's not the team that they were the previous year in the Super Bowl run, but. It feels like all year, I mean, Josh Allen was second in the NFL in interceptions. Devin Singletary has the highest uh, fumble rate in the entire league. Uh, Melvin Gordon is out of the league, so Devin Singletary fumbles it on a higher rate than any any running back in the league. So I would say they've done a decent job overcoming the turnovers this year, and I, I don't think that it's really let them affect them week to week, if that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Josh. Let's grab one more phone call. Let's go to Cody. Cody, you're on the Overtime Show. Thanks for calling, Cody. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, more or less just wanted to kind of uh, go full circle on a lot of things we touched on today. Uh, you know, I think McDermott's a great coach. I think he's done a lot of great things since uh, him and Bean have gotten here. But I think one of the most underrated aspects of them is the way that they've been drafting. Because as you were talking about earlier with Isaiah Hodgins, I completely forgot we even drafted him just yeah. because of how many different pieces they've been putting into place over the last couple of years. So uh, I-, I think – this team's biggest issue on offense is probably their unwillingness to run because I think Ken Dorsey, uh, like I think the one thing the offense is missing ever since Dayball left was Dorsey is a sling it kind of guy because mm-hmm. he's a quarterback's coach. So I think the basic runs that we have on this offense is what kind of limits us. So uh, just kind of want to get your view on, you know, how we can kind of fix that. Uh, maybe toss in some you know different looking runs or sure. change up the blocking schemes because yeah this is kind of getting very one-dimensional what if i told you cody that i don't actually believe it's running more what if i told you that i believe that one of the things this offense is missing that they had last year under brian dable was the extension of the run meaning their short passing game using using you know uh cole beasley on a more regular basis and getting three yards uh with a short pass game right or using uh on a tunnel screen right like just creating a short passing game that's an extension of your run game that's what brian dable was so good at i don't think there's any more or less frequency of running the football in this offense than there was under brian dable i think this offense does not utilize or maybe does not value the short passing game in the same sense that brian dable did when he was here and i think it was what made them so difficult to defend is that short stuff really opened up the deep stuff and now they just want to be they want to press they want to go downfield they want the big play they want this touchdown in one play where I think they were more patient last year and what they're going to do up against this game in Cincinnati is go up against an offense and a quarterback that is incredibly patient that has built his entire career off patience and accuracy Um, and you can't rattle Joe Burrow and sometimes it feels like you can rattle Josh Allen and I think the best way as an offensive coordinator to settle him down is just say hey let's hit a couple of easy throws let's hit a five-yard in route let's hit a you know Let's hit a quick hot route to Cole Beasley right at the line of scrimmage. Let's hit a tunnel screen to Shaquille Shakir. Let's set up a running back screen. Let's set up a tight end screen. Um, They cannot complete screen passes, and because of that, everything seems sometimes really, really hard. But I'm not sure that it's a run game problem as much as it is, like a to me anyways, as much as it is a extension of the run game with the short passing game. Well, based on what I'm seeing, everything you know that has to do with our run game, it's either – out of shotgun with just, mm-hmm. you know, a man, a man in the back. And, you know, it's pretty much just an inside zone handoff. Uh, and then when we're under center, it's basically just the one, you know, it's I formation. We don't, 
or uh, I'm sorry, it's a single back formation. We don't run I formation. We don't have Gilliam in there, you know, on a high percentage of those runs. That's right. I think that's, you know, we, we don't have a power package when we're trying to really pound the ball. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem. And I think you're right. You know, you were talking about earlier with uh, the 15 yards uh, depth of uh, targets too much. Uh, average for the game is ridiculous it's to too me. Much. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got, you know, a post and a streak on every play. You're not going to hit. You know, the big play. They're low play. percentage. Just, just by, by, by pure math, they're just low percentage. Cody, I got to go. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the points. Uh, great job, man. I appreciate you. Um, and uh, have a good rest of your night. I got to, I got to go because we've got uh, Sunday night football coming up next here on WGR. If you want to listen, we've got Bengals Ravens. That's coming up next. Buffalo Bills football Monday starting 6 a.m. Howard and Jeremy in the morning here on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.